Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, Thunder fans? It's your boy Dylan at Thunder Chess, and I'm here with a word from our sponsors, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon Finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next year's early NFL futures. Just head to the website or your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV, that is capital letters BLEAV, believe, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Hunzinger at Thunder Chats. We are part of the Believe Network, and I'm excited, man. You know, the draft has happened. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about the news that happened later on in the podcast. But, I mean, Lou Dort's here to stay. Like, you know, times are times are doing pretty good for the Thunder fans right now. But you know, with, before I get too much into that, I do have some people with me today. First, I got my partner in crime, I'll, my homie here, Alex Roy. Alex, how are you, sir? I'm I'm doing good, man. Just uh, you know, NBA news just left and right. You know, for the past week, it's been it's been great. You know, we we did a lot of speculation there for about two months, two and a half months, um, and we're finally getting some uh, some clarified news uh, coming in. So excited for that, and excited to discuss things with our guest. Absolutely, man. Well. As you guys know, if you listen to our podcast, I usually have an intro prepared for our guests, but the doc got deleted right before we started recording. So I'm going to try to do this off the top of my head. So joining us today is a man of much ambition. He is residing in Oklahoma City. He graduated a Lee University flame. He has been a part of many different ventures. He worked for the University of Texas, worked for the Oklahoma City Thunder, worked for Babcock Hoops, basketballnews.com, and Oh, there's there's another one. Uh, I just lost your LinkedIn page. <laughs> He's worked for many different basketball ventures. We're going to get all into that. Very excited to have this guy on here as uh, the next part of this Thunder Podcast World Tour. Please welcome the one, the only, Derek Murray. Hey, what's going on, man? I uh, appreciate y'all having me very much. And, you know, now that you start listening to stuff, uh, stuff off, I have worked a lot of places. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's, that was probably the only part of them there. But yeah, I've been around the block um, in all, all kind of, uh, you know, shapes and sizes of basketball and the basketball arena. So appreciate you guys having me and talk a little bit of Thunderdraft. And, sure. I, and I just want to, I just want to apologize for messing that doc up because <laughs> if there's one thing that Dylan is known for, it is the introduction of the guests. Like he <laughs> softens them up. 
and completely butters them up to the point where they're like, oh, man, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. But kind of messed that up for you. So I'm sorry. You're great. You're a great guest. But my apologies. I messed that up. Hey, it is it is all good. I, I do not need one. I do not need one. So I, I'm happy to be here. Hey, absolutely, man. And, you know, you know, like you said, like you, you're a man that's worn many hats like throughout your, um, you know, your working career. And, you know, we're going to touch all on that right here in our background section. You know, we just like whenever we have a guest on here, we like to, you know, learn a little bit about them. So the listener kind of, you know, I, I guess has a familiarity with the guys on the other side of the mic. So I uh, just want to go ahead and ask you, man, like, you know, I talked about some of the places you worked, but I didn't really get into like what you did with those positions. So um, I guess first question would just be like, could you provide like a snapshot of the many things you do and how it is you got to where you are now? Yeah. So the three things I kind of do right now, um, I work with Matt Reynolds here out of OKC and I help him run his AU circuit called Next Pro Hoops. We've got nine events this summer, um, premier independence. I actually leave tomorrow at like, you know, 5 a.m. to St. Louis. Um, we've got Nike teams coming in, Under Armour teams coming in, big time uh, independence. A lot of great yeah. talent coming through. So I'm a grassroots analyst for that company. Um, I'm a basketball, like NBA draft advisor and consultant with Matt Babcock and Babcock Hoops. Um, Matt was an agent for a long time, parent, you know, NBA family. His dad is Dave Babcock of the Milwaukee Bucks, the guy who found Giannis. Um, both of his uncles were GMs of NBA teams for many, many years. So we do consulting things with that. And then Babcock and I have a contract with basketballnews.com um, where we provided NBA draft coverage and a lot of college basketball coverage and stuff for this past cycle. So uh, that's kind of what I do right now. But the short version about me from Chattanooga, Tennessee, my whole life, went to Lee University um, on January 1st of 2016. Moved to Austin, Texas, um, worked for the University of Texas in their athletic department for about nine months, learned all about and was indoctrinated how much Oklahoma people are just the worst <laughs> and how the Sooners are just the worst. And then nine months later, I moved to Oklahoma City <laughs> and I started working for the Thunder and immediately got indoctrinated with, man, those Texas fans, this, those Texas Longhorns, that. Horns so down, I have right? both sides. I have been deep in the trenches on both sides. It's actually honestly kind of fascinating mm. um left the thunder in december of 2020 i worked for sports info solutions with a which is a basketball analytics company for a while and now i'm doing all the things i am now so my wife and i are still here she's a teacher she's very supportive and understanding and lets me kind of change jobs at, at will honestly she's very patient so <laughs> we yeah. love it here but that's that's the cliff notes version of uh, how i got here okay. so just real quick so you left the thunder when December of 2020. So the jazz game when everything got canceled, like mm -hmm. the day that everybody yes. will remember that, that was, was March last, 11th. That was my last night as a thunder employee on a game night. Um, oh, wow. And, yeah. So that one. How, and, so, but you were still employed when they went to the bubble. You, you probably didn't go to the bubble because they only, no, they did not go bring. to the bubble. Did not go to the bubble. I was no. working remote. I was here in OKC. How was crazy funny. was that? Oh, pandemonium. Like our boss literally said, Hey, like everybody go to the office upstairs, the double doors locked behind us basically said, don't text anybody back. Like we don't have any answers. Like we don't know what's going it, It's other. I still firmly believe other than when I was in Las Vegas for summer league, waking up to the news about <clears throat> the Kawhi and Paul George going mm, to okay. the Clippers that still stands alone as the night my phone has rung, has rung the most. Like that I've woken up to the most text calls, everything. 
March 11th is a close and definite second. Like there are a few, there are a few events in life where people from all times of your life call you and text you about the same Mm -hmm. thing. High school buddies, college friends, current Thunder people, like basketball fans in general, guys I'd work with, like everybody. I was like, ooh, something's happening here. The same thing happened on that March 11th. So it was honestly, it was, it was wild. Like honestly, that's 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 the event that shut down the world for at mm-hmm. least a year. Like that literally, that event right there. I remember we were on spring break, and once once the the sports league started getting canceled, and once everything like remotely started getting canceled you know basically the schools were like uh, you know we're probably not coming back and we didn't come back till august of the next you know the next school year um so that's just i mean to me that's just an event that in the you know in the history books will say one thing but you know everybody that lived here and was a thunder fan and saw that game and saw that happening in real time will look at it completely different because that moment right there is what basically started everything as far as a lockdown for the, for the pandemic. Well, what I'll never forget is that we, so a bunch of us went to deep deuce grill that night, sat mm-hmm. on the patio. Again, none of us had answers. What in the world is going to happen? What's next? Might as well order a couple beers and hang out. Cause I don't know if mm-hmm. we're going to get to work any work with each other anymore. Like what's going to happen. And I, we were sitting there and the tweet came across that um, Tom Hanks had tested positive. Oh Yeah. And oh, that wow. was the moment that it immediately was like, ding, we are going into world shutdown. Like the moment the Tom Hanks yeah. thing came through, I was like, that's, that's the one that does it. That's the one that'll shut everything down. And I just, I remember that vividly, honestly, it's just kind of nuts. Yeah, that's wild, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was a very wild time and, you know, I'm, I'm glad, you know, we're starting to get to the point where we're moving past it. You know, you, you know, obviously things are more open, um, you know, the vaccine being, you know, doled out there and, you know, people getting vaccinated, you know, makes things more accessible. So we're starting to get back to a little bit of normalcy. But um, before we move on, you know, you know, you, you've kind of touched a little bit on your time with the Thunder there. Um, something I found really interesting in like all your podcast interviews is uh, your relationship with Presty, you know, like you know, as close or as far away as your relationship was like, you know, you, you did have a, more of a relationship than we had with Sam Presty. So uh, c- could you touch on like, you know, how that started, you know, um, I guess, uh, you know, what, what's that meant to you in terms of like your future aspirations and whatnot? Yeah. When I got here, um, you know, it was definitely green in the sense that, and honestly, to an extent, I still am like, I'm just not afraid of anybody <laughs> like uh, introducing myself to somebody. They can tell me to screw off. I've been told to <laughs> F off before to my face. Like it is what it is. Um, but I always want to meet people and I look up to people who do work that I want to do. So especially when I was first getting started, I sent him an email. I've been here a couple months, maybe just said, Hey, like, I want to pick your brain, have some questions about how you do your job. Cause that's something I think I want to do one day. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I owe him a lot because he didn't have to respond to me. He didn't have to get back to me. And he took the time at an Oklahoma city blue game, like two or three days later, and just let me pick his brain for an hour. Um, and from then on, we just, it became almost like a can't believe I know him to a mentor to he would actually teach me things to I would go to tournaments with him and now like I consider him a friend so it's honestly it's kind of been a it's an evolving thing and I definitely owe my start in basketball to him I owe my bosses at that time as much for allowing me to a do my job but then also like 
go and pursue like my career goals. Mm -hmm. So the organization as a whole, both sides, like I owe a ton to, um, but yeah, like I, I would consider him a friend now. And um, I'm just honestly very grateful because he didn't have to do that for me. Cause on paper, when we met, I was an absolute nobody. So it should be telling about him as a person that he took the time to meet with somebody like me, you know, years ago. Mm-hmm. So I, I've always, so I've always been a skeptic when it comes to seeing people's personality in public versus in private. Um, but it seems like with Sam Presti, you know, that, that always harping on the, the people aspect of things seems to be like his thing. That seems to be his niche. Would, would you agree with that? Would you agree that, you know, as far as how genuine he is in public, as far as, you know, behind a microphone is how genuine he is in private. Yeah. Like he cares about people. That's the one thing I can tell you. Like he, he actually does. Even people who just want to reach out and have, you know, advice or questions or people in the industry, in the same way he looks at the intent and, you know, how people operate um, in players, like he does it in people as well. He, he actually cares. And a, a lot of executives, I mean, to put it nicely, don't. And sometimes it's that they're too busy and they don't have time to care. And that's fine. You know, I didn't understand that maybe when I was first getting started and I understand it a little bit more now, um, but he's not one of those, like everybody matters to him, which is very rare. So, you know, after your time in OKC, you've kind of went into more of a scouting analyst consultant kind of role. Um, do you still have those front office aspirations or are you, or do you feel like, you know, you, you like what you're doing now or are you like taking what you're doing now as training for, you know, your front office aspirations? Easiest answer is a little bit of both. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I would definitely, I definitely still have aspirations of that. Um, but at this point it's no longer a, Oh, I'll take any door. You know, mm-hmm. at this point, I've, I believe that I've done enough that I can be selective with my doors and opportunities, which, again, if you'd have told me five years ago, I'd be able to do that. I probably would have laughed at you. Yeah. Um, something that Babcock has showed me is the value of like the media and consulting side. Again, like I, I, I don't even know if a lot of listeners know, like what we do is very different than reporters and reporting. And there's and there's nothing wrong with that in any way. There's nothing inherently better than another, but we're kind of in the trenches on the side of like the Intel gathering stuff. We're in the gym, we're scouting, we're all over the country at everything from high school sophomores up into the college one and dones, international ball, G league, like we're everywhere. Mm-hmm. So we try to do our best for, for our team clients, for our agent clients. And we advise a lot of these young guys as well as they head to college and then prepare for the NBA draft. Um, And there's value in that because we don't answer to a governing body. We make our own schedules. We set our own prices. I, I get to tell Matt, Hey, I can or cannot travel this weekend. You know, Reynolds and next pro, they make it very easy for me to where the work almost overlaps. I can be at a high school tournament watching this kid. And then I can also go watch kid B, you know, for a different job on, Mm -hmm. you know, on the same trip. And, um, I enjoy the freedom. I, I, I won't lie. Making yeah. my own schedule is really nice with so much travel. So there's pros and cons to both. Um, I definitely still wouldn't mind working for a team, but I'm definitely more selective now than I was because I see the value of what we're doing. So you guys, so you guys are, are basically information gatherers for basically the entire sect of basketball agents, you know, parents who want to know about, you know, this school or that school coaches 
So you guys are just information gatherers for all, you know, for all clients of basketball. Yeah. All over the place. Like we were at the draft uh, where we were in New York for the draft. Matt was in the green room with some of the guys that he has advised over this whole process, mm-hmm. meeting with some of the parents. I'm in the hotel setting up meetings with agents that we work with. And then as I'm in the airport on the way back, I'm on the phone with, there was one big 12 school, one A-10 school and one SEC school about high school kids that I'm going to see tomorrow. So like every single day, it's, it's different things. Like all, all of June is pretty much the draft. And now July, I'm nothing but I'm focused on every, like only AAU, Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. We have three events of our own. We're in St. Louis. We're in OKC. We go to Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, yeah. So like every month is every month is a different hat. Mm-hmm. Every single call is a different hat. And that's where honestly, I'm blessed to just my, my personality. You know, God gave me the ability to be able to compartmentalize things. My wife will tell you in a bad way. But for work, uh, it is a good thing because every single call is different, wearing different mm-hmm. hats all the time. And but that's what makes it fun. It's never boring and no day is ever the same. Yeah, well, hey, in my scrapped intro, I actually had uh, one of the hardest working men in sports. So got that going for you. Um, talking about the draft, you know, you said you guys were at the draft. Um, you know, what was it like behind the scenes? Like, and, you know, what's something that sticks out kind of being in the trenches compared to, you know, the fans sitting at home? Yeah, uh, at least the week of the draft, the palpable, tangible tension and anxiety from a lot of these guys in New York just stands out when you get in the hotel. Like everybody's, yes, it's happy to be there. It's really cool. There are kids that I haven't met in person that I've scouted in person that are there. Mm -hmm. And then there's guys that we've, again, advised and got very close with. It's cool to see them. Hey, wow, you're in New York. You made it. You're in the green room. Whoa. And then you can tell as they talk, especially Thursday morning, man, Thursday morning was brutal. Like could hear a pin drop. No one was really talking to each other other than like their close circle a year's worth of work. We're going to find out in six hours if it was worth it and how much it paid off. Like that's the part being in New York. That's really cool. Yeah. The flashing lights, the building, the suits, the green room. It's awesome. But sitting in the hotel, like getting to talk to people about their raw emotions of the week. That's mm-hmm. really special. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, you know, kind of touching on, you know, that tension that, uh, you know, you kind of felt. Uh, you mentioned on Down to Dunk that you thought Orlando felt dis- disrespected by the way Chet's workout went with them. Um, can you, like, go into more details about that? Is, just, is it just because, like, the effort that was given, the amount of time that was given? Like, what you know, what, what are you thinking there? Yeah, I just – I got a phone call um, from, a, from a buddy kind of close to the situation that just said, without any official, like – details of what exactly happened Mm -hmm. just like hey you know when he left orlando the feeling is that those guys want to be in okc yeah (laughs) that's pretty that that's that's as far as i can go into that if that makes sense and it it was funny because it aligned with um i believe he's with bda right i think he's with bda um Um, hang on i want to make sure i got that right Oh, duffy yeah yes yeah yeah Okay. Uh, it was funny. There were like rumors that BDA had wanted him in OKC. And honestly, Hey, what rookie wouldn't want to be, what agent wouldn't want their guy here, their minutes to be had at least for like one more year, I think. Yeah. So it, it made a lot of sense. And again, we didn't report that when we heard it, but mm-hmm. it did check out according to like some other things that were quote, like out there. 
Yeah, I think uh, Sam Vecini was on the Rosillo pod like a week before the draft, and Rosillo said as much about like Duffy and Chet and, you know, their representation really wanted to be in OKC. And, you know, mm. obviously like that, that, that means a lot for Thunder fans, you know, who like have had multiple superstars either leaving free agency, force their way out, whatever. Like to have somebody at the top of the draft say, hey, I want to be here was really special to us. Um, you know, with that being said, you know, we picked four guys at the draft. Uh, there was a big trade that happened. Um, what, what was your most shocking moment of the draft in terms of OKC? I think the only thing I was really shocked by was the Jalen Williams Santa Clara pick at 12. Mm-hmm. I think just team building wise to take kind of a true on-ball guard, or at least a guy had been used as a true on-ball guard for the last year or two. Um, that was just a little weird to me, but then, you know, the more I thought about that, okay, it gives you a ball handler, gives you a decision maker. He's six, six, he's got a plus nine wingspan and jumped up 39 at the combine. Yeah. So he's really versatile. Like you can play him as probably a one, two or three, in the NBA, which is really interesting. Um, and he can shoot really well. So he's highly intelligent, comfortable running the offense, is a great spot-up shooter, and has NBA size. So even though positionally, uh, maybe when it was first picked, I kind of put him in that point guard box. Um, but it makes way more sense now. But that that was the only one that I kind of like raised my eyebrows a little bit, like as the pick came through. So you you didn't raise your eyebrows for Usman Jang? Like you thought he was gonna go around that range and yeah, so I I have been pushing Jang as a lottery guy all year. And <laughs> I think I said <laughs> I think I said Dylan the, Dylan Dylan was always a Jang gang. Who's dude, KC? I, I'm telling you. So he he is re, has been really good against his peers for years in France. Um was like a 6-3 point guard. FIBA U16 like 3 years ago was awesome. Um, and you could start to see started to grow that he was like six, five. And then all of a sudden he's six, seven. And now he's like six, 10, but one who knows he's done growing. Like we may have another seven foot ball handler on our hand, Yeah, but he really struggled to score in the NBL in November, December, January. Honestly, it was rough. And I had some people texting me, uh, you're not looking good, buddy. Like you're, you're jang lottery stuff. Like this isn't good. And I was like, just wait a minute. It will come. He will figure this out. He is too good he's still growing into his body. Like if he's still growing, like none of us at our current height, whatever that may be, was like ready to roll. Like as soon as you got there, you had to grow into it. Mm-hmm. And then in February, March, especially in March and April, started scoring really well, um, started hitting shots. And then for him to go to 11, like, again, not only do I love the fit here, do I not only buy the long-term potential, there was a little bit of intern, like internally, I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Jane the lottery. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I uh, I was pretty happy with that one. Um, and yeah, short answer didn't shock me at all. Maybe he fits like a glove. Yeah, I, I know like Presty at the uh, post draft press conference, he was like, or it was Will Dawkins. I was like, you know, we've been monitoring this guy since he was, you know, 16 years old and six foot three. You know, that's so within within three years, he's grown at least six inches mm-hmm. um, into that frame. So that could definitely, you know, you could you learning how to navigate your body um, through six inches of growth in three years is probably something that, you know, it takes time. And if you're doing it on a basketball court and you're excelling, you eventually excel. You know, that's just that just shows, you know, the type of the type of talent this kid has. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, 
Alex, you know, pointed out that like I was a big Jane guy. Like I, I started the Jane gang movement on Thunder Twitter and whatnot. But one <laughs> of the reasons was like I, I just I thought he was the most like prototypical Sam Presti pick like ever because he combines both ideals of old age Thunder, like the length, athleticism, defense. Because you know, for all of his struggles, like throughout the year on offense, like he knows where to be defense. He really competes on defense. And then on the offensive side, a guy that has, you know, the new age thunder stuff, like the high feel, high skill, high IQ. And I think that, you know, he's a perfect combination of those, those two things along with like the French pipeline, the NBL pipeline, the youth, the upside, all that. Like, I just thought he was the most like prototypical breasty picks. So I was like, listen, you guys don't got to like him, but like there's, there's, there's like evidence that he could be the pick. So like, you might mm-hmm. want to get used to it. Um, kind of speaking on Jang um, specifically, and then like we can touch on the other guys in the roster, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of people that think he's a pro- project and, you know, he, he is a project, Like he's not done growing, like you said, and, you know, he's nowhere near his ceiling. Um, do you see him spending more time in the G league or, you know, like how, how do you see his role being uh, on this team as is right now? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, there's so much talent, and now there's so much youth. Mm-hmm. It's hard to project, like, who will get burned and who won't. You have to think about it. Like, you give up three future firsts for him. So there is clear-cut investment, whether yeah. you like it or not. Um, it's like, we, we, you know, it's like anything. We've paid this much. We gave up this much. It has to work. So I am just of the opinion – um, kind of as I said before, just let him play. Whatever level that is, if that's on the blue, if it's on the thunder initially, quite frankly, it doesn't matter to me. Just let him play. Don't don't let him get stuck in that purgatory of, oh, he's up, he's down, but he's not really playing a whole lot. 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here. Like, let him struggle if that's what it takes. Like, in NBL, again, he struggled mm-hmm. and then grew out of that. And at the <clears> end of the year, you could see it. So I expect similar growing pains on the NBA level. Um, but I don't care, honestly, if it's on the blue or the thunder, just let him play, give, give him the ball. Give him some reps. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I don't mean to turn this into an ode to Jang, but like I found specifically like not just Jang, like, you know, Hardy, he struggled a lot early on in the G league. Malachi Branham struggled his first few games at Ohio state. Like I find guys that, you know, struggle early on in the year, but find a way to overcome that adversity and overcome their, you know, poor play to like, you know, really turn around the end of the season. I find that endearing. And I, I like, you know, I, I like it when I see that kind of resiliency in the guy in my, my evaluation. So it's another reason I was really excited about Shane. Um, kind of my role that I, I, I see him in, you know, I'm really IQ, like, you know, give him as many reps as possible. I, I don't really see him starting because I feel like, you know, we uh, will probably, I'm not saying like, you know, we're going to be in the playoffs or anything, but I think that, you know, there's a legitimate possibility that we can be in play. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, my role that I kind of see him in is kind of let him run the second unit alongside Trey Mann and Jalen Williams, Santa Clara, um, you know, because he is a guy that proved – like, he makes high-level reads. Like, he makes some ridiculous mm-hmm. passes. Like, he's his passing is special. So, I – and, you know, his shooting is not completely there yet. So, I think that that's the best way that you can maximize him in the second unit. But, yeah, yeah. I'm not Mark Dagnall, so I'll, I'll trust his <laughs> I'll trust his judgment there. Um, kind of uh, a couple more things on the draft here. So going into the draft, there was a lot of reported interest in OKC with Jaden Ivey and Shaden Sharp. Um, can you speak to that interest? And you know, was there a package that you know any teams might have been looking at that OKC was trying to move up to get those guys? 
I do believe that the Thunder were trying to move up from a 12 in some capacity, you know, whether it was, whether it was those two and now even thinking, now even looking back, like it could have been for Jang. Yeah. A lot of people um, around like evaluation circles thought that Jang might've been an option for San Antonio at nine. Uh, we, we were told that, you know, Jang, Duran, and um, Sohan were kind of the three that really just kept popping up there at nine. So even if to move up, it wasn't for Ivy or if it wasn't for Sharp, um, I think Jang may have been the target, assuming that like you believe San Antonio was going to take him there and you had to get ahead of them. All right. I like it, man. Um, so kind of last question on the draft, and we'll kind of move into the roster construction that's on the team right now. Uh, if I was to ask you to give a grade, like just on the four picks, you know, you, you, you was kind of surprised by the Jalen Williams pick, but um, you know, you said you saw the Jane pick come in, Chet pick, obviously. Um, but including the other Jalen Williams, the Razorback Williams, as Andrew likes to call him, uh, how would you grade this draft overall? I would still give it an A. Mm -hmm. um, I, the A plus for me is more of like a philosophical thing. I think like Jalen Williams, Arkansas, I'm, you're, like I said it, Thunder are going to love him. Like Thunder fans are going to love him. Um, I do believe that there were a couple players on the board that have a higher ceiling, like their upside really, if it hits, like you've got like, not a star, but like a really, really good player mm. who just me personally, like again, Max Christie went 35. Yes. Jaden Hardy, 37, Bryce McGowan's 40, um, Josh Minot, 45. Those are guys where I'm like, mm, if it clicks and everybody hits their highest outcome, those dudes have a chance to be special. So just me, like I might have probably taken a swing, but again, I mean, it's hard to sit. <laughs> We're not the ones making those calls. So it's hard yeah. to like say, but the, that would be the only thing that would make me go from A to A plus. That's the only reason that plus isn't on there because I, I like upside sometimes. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Presley likes upside too. But I'm right there with you. Like any any time somebody asks me about the draft, I'm like, you know, like I like Jalen Williams, Arkansas, but those next three picks, like Max Christie, Jaden Hardy, Gabriel. Prashida, like I would have liked any of those guys better. Like I specifically Prashida, like I had I had a man crush on Prashida towards the end of the process. So, um, so Prochita, Prochita. I think Michele Barra, who is actually Italian, came out and said it's Prochita or something like that. I, I'm probably saying uh, it wrong still. But. Okay, I can't argue with that then. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So kind of transitioning on today. So, um, today it was announced that. Oklahoma City Thunder, Lou Dort signed a five-year, uh, $87.5 million, is that right? Mm-hmm. $87.5 million contract. Um, do you – you know, th there's some people that feel like it might be an overpay. There's some people that feel like it's a good deal considering the cap's going up. How do you feel about this contract? Do you think that Dort's earned that contract? And uh, what, what does it say about the future of Lou Dort and OKC? I do think Dort has earned that contract. Um, and I do like it with the cap going up because every team that wins a title, they take advantage of the cap going up at the right time by securing role players. It's rarely like the guy you give a super max at the, at the jump that wins you a title. And that's not to say that the Suns given Booker one today won't win them a title because mm -hmm. that roster very well could do it. Um, but I looked like my gut as soon as I saw it was like, okay, the Suns and Mikel Bridges – Dort, I think, can be that player for the Thunder on, like, a contending team. The guy that he's not going to lead you in scoring. 
I'm going to lead you in this or that. But as soon as he leaves the floor, you're like, oh, well, crap, Dort's not on the floor. Like, you just know it because he helps you win ball games. So that's what with the cap going up. I don't have a problem with that number. Um, yeah. Like, again, like just gut reaction, yes, it does feel a little high. But with the going up, like, you have to have a guy like him on your team if you're going to contend. So to get him, and especially on the five-year, that's, that's what's big in my mind is that you've got him for good. And that's what I loved about the deal. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I was very excited about the deal. Um, I, I just – it was kind of confusing. And, you know, maybe you could speak to this, um, you know, if it's gamesmanship or, like, well, what Presti's motivation might have been. But after the post-draft presser, um, when asked, Presti said that, yeah, we're probably going to pick up that, that team option. And then it came out yesterday that they're declining the team option. They're going to negotiate in free agency. And then the deal came out today. Um, now, he and he did give the caveat and said, you know, barring something changing. So – uh, I guess, what do you think changed, or do you think it was just, you know, some game gamesmanship out of Presti? Oh, I don't know. I'm going to assume that something changed because the Thunder front office doesn't seem like one to act without all the information there. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't seem like the, the you know, the, the opting into the, the team option there was a play or a misstep or anything. Like, my, I just feel like something probably changed because they just – they're not a group of guys that are going to make a decision of like, whoops, maybe we jumped the gun. Like that's just, not, that's just not going to happen. So uh, I, I just, I think something ended up being different. No, I a hundred percent agree, man. Um, so talking about the haul that we got in the draft and with the prize of Victor Wimanyama next year, Scoot Henderson, like it's a loaded draft class next year. Um, you know, there's a lot of discourse between Thunder fans on the season's plans. Uh, where do you stand on, what the Thunder's motivation should be going into this year. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I have a hard time seeing this be a bottom five team. Mm-hmm. Just, I just think there's too much talent. I mean, Shea, Giddy, Dort, Man, Chet, Jalen Williams, Jalen Williams too. Like, <laughs> I just feel like that's without Jang doing or providing anything. And then JRE, Kenridge, like – I'm probably missing somebody. Basically, I mean, you just <laughs> I just don't know how you're a bottom five team. All things considered, everybody's healthy and playing all year. Do I think you're a shoe in for the playoffs? I mean, the West is brutal. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to say that. But I also don't look at that roster and go, yep, they're in the victor sweepstakes. Like, <laughs> I have a hard time doing that. Just looking at the team. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean, man. And, you know, it's it's kind of a fun thought exercise because if you look at all the playoff teams that were in it last year, you know, maybe if the Jazz decide to blow it up, you can kick them out. But you have the Lakers, you have the Blazers, you have the Kings who are all looking to be, you know, more competitive this year and make their way into the playoffs. And, like, when you look at it, it's kind of the Thunder and the Rockets still just kind of sitting there uh, towards the bottom. And, you know, it, there's – there's context, like, you know, like in anything, you know, Shea missed a lot, Giddy, Dort, like a lot of our players missed a lot of time last year. So, you know, if we had the fortune of having like a healthy season, then yeah, I, I think that you can kind of feed both mouths at the same time. I think that you could potentially make the play in and, you know, appease mm-hmm. the fans that want to be more competitive, but you could also be in the lottery, which, you know, you have a chance to get to the top four as long as you're in the lottery, but also like, it's just a stacked draft class, man. Like, I mean, you could probably speak to this, like, you know, the, the amount of talent. Like, everybody says Victor Wimanyama, Scoot Henderson. Um, is there anybody else, like, you have your eye on? Like, you know, this guy could, you know, be a guy that pro- pro- 
propels itself up towards the top of the class. Yeah. So just early looking in, those two will have set themselves apart. You know, 365 days away, mm-hmm. they are tier. They are tier one, Victor and Scoot. But then there is a handful of dudes that every team's going to want. I don't know how much Thunder fans watch of Overtime Elite, but the Thompson twins yes. are different. Azure and Amen. They are different. Um, and they're big. Those are big wings. <laughs> they're, they're like six, seven, like two, three, three twos. They can put on the deck. They can defend. They're, they're explosion inside is crazy like they they get off the ground so quick they are going to be really good i think nick smith at arkansas is going to be really really good um cam whitmore for anybody he's going to villanova anybody mm-hmm. watch the fiba u18s just won gold average like 38 and 5 a game like something just stupid uh That's dylan crazy. mitchell at texas is think kendall brown but with like some guard skills and can shoot a little bit <laughs> Um, that helps. Derek Whitehead at Duke is going to be special. Kellel Ware at Oregon. Mm-hmm. I mean, and by that point, you're already like 15. Like <laughs> the lottery next year has a chance to be uh, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and I'll forgive you for not mentioning Case Wallace out of Kentucky. We'll we'll move. <laughs> I, I was about to say like next. Yeah, you've got you've got Case in Jarris Walker. Grady Dick, and then we haven't talked about like Leonard Miller yet. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's Alex's boy. Alex was prepared to take Leonard Miller too. That's my guy. I was, I was ready to take him at thirty-four. I was, I was ready to take him at twelve. Yeah, you know, because you know, you, you know, Sam likes to likes to draft a year early. So I was like, you know, this guy is just huge. He's he's kind of like Jane. I mean, he's probably he's probably like Jane. He's probably a year away from being, you know, that skilled. And it's a good thing he went to to the G League night team. Um, to kind of give him that exposure and give him that experience, but I think I think he has the physical tools to to be something in in this next draft class. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, so we didn't know if he was going to stay in or out going into the combine. Um, and then I'll be honest, we were watching the games, and and I told Matt, I said the game is moving very very quickly for Leonard right now. It's it, this game is moving real fast. So I'm actually thrilled that he went to the Ignite. I think that long-term going to the Ignite will set him up to make considerable more money because I don't, I don't think he would have been a top 20 pick had he stayed in this draft. I think, his, I think he would have been 25 to 35. It's probably where he would have gone, 25 to 40. Um, I think next year you're probably looking anywhere from like late lottery to 25. De- again, depending on how things look, it's so early. But I think he's going to make more money based on the decision he made. Um, but he's one that has a chance to skyrocket. Because if it clicks, if it clicks, uh, he's got a chance to go, like, towards that top ten. All right, let me ask you one more question before we uh, wrap up with our final question. Um, you know, as I kind of alluded to, I'm a huge UK fan. Um, our guy, Oscar Shibway, National Player of the Year, um, you know, there was talk that if he entered the draft and he was looking like early second round this past year, uh, what what does he need to do this year to be a first round talent, or is it even possible? I just don't. I don't think. I think we're done seeing traditional centers for the most part be first round picks. Yeah. Um, he's going to be a four year player next year. I think early to mid second, projecting out his range. I will say this: uh, we're very close with Oscar and and his camp. 
one, one of the greatest human beings you will ever meet. Mm-hmm. Like all time great kid. I think he made the right call to go back to Kentucky. Um, I think that fan base loves him. I think he's going to have a great time. They're going to win a ton of ball games, and he's going to contend for player of the year again. So I, I do think that he made the right call, but I'm hoping for like early to mid second for him next year. Yep. Um, if he were to you know stay in the draft, because worst case, at a, at a minimum, you're getting a locker room presence. You're getting a tremendous teammate. You're getting a guy that will invest in the city and a guy that'll give you 12 rebounds a game. Like there's a place on yeah. the roster for you. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so question. I, I heard I heard you say that traditional centers, you know, you don't draft those anymore. And so, and you're you're looking at the grassroots basketball. Are the centers there? Like, are they all shooting threes? Are they all like trying to play on the perimeter? Or are there some that, you know what, this is my skill set, this is what I do, and I'm gonna try to do the best that I can. Um, even though it may hurt me in my future, but you know, is everybody out there shooting threes now? This is what I'm asking. I mean, pretty much everybody's shooting threes except for the actual seven footers. Mm. Like you're so just looking at again the 2023 class high school. Sorry to make this a whole high school little segment here in the podcast. <laughs> okay. Like you have Aaron Bradshaw, Kentucky target, uh, yes. Dennis Evans. You have Uganda Kingsley, Isaiah Miranda. Those guys are seven-footers, and I don't believe any of them shoot threes, but they are awesome rim protectors, and they all move really well and are crazy long. Kellel Ware going to Oregon is a good example, where he's not really a shooter, but he's so long and moves so well and is so coordinated that I would still use a high pick on him. Oscar what is about, a uh, – lively. So Lively's ability to shoot yeah. the ball and stretch the floor really opens it up. Like he's got a chance to be a top 20, top 25 pick next year. Again, because he's 6'11", 7 foot and can stroke it. So, uh, yeah, like Oscar is 6'9 and a bully and not really a floor stretcher. So there's a little bit of a limit to like how, how high can I take a kid like that in the draft? Just to, it, and it sounds a little cliche, but like the way the game is played today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand. That's all valid. I'm just, you know, I, well, like you said, like, you know, the fan base is really endeared themselves to Oscar. So, uh, you know, I, I was just seeing if there was a chance, I, I don't know. I, I saw a little bit of a little bit of mid range shooting. I don't know if, you know, maybe he, he had, he had some game. flashes of like elbow jumpers. He did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if he can hit that knockdown, Hey, maybe who knows? Yeah. Cause I mean, Hey, like you said, the, the motor, the hustle, the energy, the culture, all that. So, all right, man, last question before we let you out of here. We're like right up against the 45 minute mark. Um, and this question is just, you know, you know, we kind of talked about this season, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, you've heard Presty talk about pushing the freaking button. When do you think that that ultimately will be when we push the button and we stop tanking, we stop even going to play in like, you know, we make an arrival, not an appearance in the postseason. When do you think we're, pushing that button to try to start. And, and what will we give up for Kevin Durant? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I saw a tweet that said, could the thunder reunite everyone? I went into the trade machine and I tried to make it happen. I traded every single body that the thunder are paying money to. And I was $20 million short from coming to the, making the money work. 
Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, I, I don't want us to become. I don't want us to become the Lakers of last year. Uh, let's see. My answer for that. Again, I say this sometimes. I need to preface with with listeners. I have no answers. Yeah, people didn't tell me this. This is this is me. This is just my opinion. I would love for the 2023 draft to come. Take who you want. Load up on young talent, and then free agency next summer deal every first you've got for somebody whatever superstar wants out whoever doesn't want to be where they are go get them because eventually and you see it in all sports you see it in baseball football basketball you can only amass so much talent before you have to start making hard decisions on who are we paying like eventually you can't keep and pay everybody if it works for all of your players. You know, you kind of got to go all in on a star. I don't know who the free agents are that are up next summer. I don't know who's going to be disgruntled, but I would try to go through next draft, get one, two, three more pieces that are really, really good. Um, and then next summer, I'd love to see them just be like, all right, it's time. What, what do we have in the shed? How many picks do we have? And uh, just unload the clip and just try to go get somebody, come in, pair them with whoever's here and it's working, uh, and go in. Yep. I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. Summer 2023, man, that that seems to be consensus amongst Thunder fans. Like, that's when it's going down, you know. Like I said, the draft class, we got some clean books, and the CBA will be negotiated by then. So, we'll kind of know what we're doing. Wilson, not screwed there. What? So, just – I'm sorry. Last question for me. <laughs> You're good. What? So and just and I know this is a very difficult question to kind of answer because we have not seen Chet play, we haven't seen you know the Jalen's play, we haven't seen Jane play. But what is this roster just missing like an alpha score or is SGA? Yeah, okay, so an alpha score. Okay, so somebody like a Kevin Durant, somebody like a Jason Tatum, somebody like somebody like that, correct? Yes, the guy that you can before the game. During warm-ups, you walk up to him and you go, I need 40 tonight. And he can go, cool. <laughs> like, tight yeah. championship teams have that. Now, there are spurts where Shea is that dude. Absolutely. And maybe the plan is for Shea to be that dude. Um, and I could see that. But, yeah, what, whatever that looks like, whether you have to bring him in, maybe it's to develop somebody – that is the allure for a lot of teams of what they saw in Jaden Ivey. It's, it's what they saw in Ivey, a guy who was like, hop on my back, I'll go get 30 tonight, and we'll win. Um, and, again, I don't – if you're going to bring a guy to your team and immediately start winning, I just feel like he has to be already in the league. He has to be um, established. I, you're just – I'm almost comfortable saying never. You're never going to find that in a rookie. Mm-hmm. So, I, I just – whatever it takes to go get – kind of that established guy and add him to the roster. What makes that so difficult is when you have great culture, you don't just want to drop somebody new in there. And that's, that's what's like really tough. And the Thunder right now have a roster full of great people and just adding somebody like that is difficult. So whoever that is, it's got to, got to check a lot of boxes. Oh man, Derek, you, you dropped all kinds of knowledge on us, man, from draft, NBA, college, high school, team building, all, all kinds of it, man. So I, I appreciate you coming on, man, and I want to give the floor to you. You know, like I said, you're a man of many ventures, so go ahead and plug away any anything you want to plug to let our listeners know where they can find you. 
Yeah, of course. Um, if you're interested in seeing some of the best high school players in the country come across your Twitter feed in the next 30 days, follow me. If you don't want to, I'm probably not your guy. Um, what I can tell you is that when this cycle, you know, chills out, August and September are pretty slow for me, and I'm getting right back into draft coverage, high school coverage, doing the whole thing. So if you're a basketball fiend, feel free to follow me, Matt Reynolds on Twitter as well, Matt Babcock as well. I work with some great people in uh, kind of all walks of my career here. So I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys for having me as well. For sure, man. It was a great time. That's at D. Murray Hoops. Is that right? Yep. At D. Murray Hoops. So, guys, if, if you're not following him for some odd, stupid reason, be sure to follow him. So, uh, guys, with that being said, uh, Derek, once again, appreciate you coming on. Listeners, appreciate you guys listening and all your support. Hope you all have a great night. God bless. Hoop when you can. And as always, thunder up. Thunder up. Hey guys, just wanted to say don't go anywhere. This podcast is not over. Um, me and Alex are going to get on here and discuss the recent movement, signings, options, you know, what have you, of the past couple of days of the Thunder. So, first, a word from our sponsors. What's going on, Thunder fans? We interrupt the podcast you're listening to right now to give you a word from our sponsors. Well, not really our sponsors, just us. Uh, in case you didn't know, we have some merchandise for sale um, t shirts, hoodies, uh, long sleeve shirts. And it is on bonfire.com slash store slash topic hyphen thunder. I apologize for ruining that link there. But definitely want to check that out. We've got some merch uh, celebrating the Chet Holmgren pick. We've got merch um, hyping up the Jang Gang, as it were. Uh, all kinds of Shea stuff. We've got the classic Trust the Presti shirt. If you want to celebrate the Dort extension, we've got the Dort Vasante Dort shirts. I mean, if you want to throw it back to back on the Chris Paul days, we still got the Nation shirts, the Just Wanna Hoop shirts. Like, there's a huge selection of shirts all there for your consumption. One more time at www.bonfire.com slash store slash topic hyphen thunder. Go get you some merch. All right, guys. So we are back after a word from Derek Murray. Uh, that was awesome, man. Like, just having Derek on there dropping knowledge on pretty much every aspect of basketball about every level of basketball like it was that was was a lot of fun but you know this is a thunder podcast and we're gonna dive deep into the thunder man like it's been a eventful past couple of days as eventful as it could be with you know fringe roster guys but uh let's start with let's start with yesterday alex so yesterday um what was the verbiage on the Isaiah Roby contract? Like, I know he's guaranteed now, but like, what's the, the so it's, it's Garrett. So, so they, so they, um, they locked, not locked, but they, uh, they signed into it basically, but they have until the third to where they can still cut him and not have to pay him anything. Yeah. Um, so I think they guaranteed the money at this point. Um, and it's non-guaranteed up until the third, but it still counts. So if they were to include him in a trade, if they were to, you know, include him in something like that, that amount could be included into the trade. And then the team that gets them, they could cut them by the third, you know, by July 3rd or whatever. So, you know, I think that's why they opted into it. There we go. That's the way I was looking for. They opted into it. Um, and it, it was a team option they opted into, right? That's Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, team okay. option. Yep. Yeah, that, that's why. Yeah, so they opted into it um, with the ability to cut them by the third to not have to give them anything. It's mm-hmm. basically opted in, but it's non-guaranteed until the third. After the third, he's completely guaranteed 
uh, that 1.9 million. Yeah, and that's what I was about to say. Like, you know, I, I could see both sides. I could see you go ahead and cutting Roby on the third just to clear – or by the third just to clear up roster spot. But I could also see us, you know, carry him into training camp and, you know, letting him compete for a spot. He's a guy that yeah. steadily improved every time – you know, his during his time at OKC. Uh, you know, he, he had some moments last year. Um, you know, there's obviously more guys on the roster that are looking for a spot this year. So, like, it definitely is a roster crunch. Like I've been saying, heads are going to roll. But, you know, if Isaiah went in and, like, really put in that work, took advantage of this full off season, you know, maybe he can find himself making a roster spot and, you know, keeping that guarantee. But if not, you know, goes to the training camp and, you know, he's just a little bit below some of these guys, you know. Cutting 1.9 million off your roster, just cutting or waving, like it's not going to hurt that bad. And and he he leaves with 1.9 million. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I mean, you do right by him for like you know being yeah. a guy that you know came in, you know worked hard, you know did everything that he needed to do, and you know represented the franchise well. So it's kind of a win win for everybody. Um, yeah. I, I guess you know I just kind of talked myself into he. We're probably not going to cut anybody. Yeah, before July 3rd. But there is some other news that happened yesterday. Um, speaking of the roster crunch, uh, Mike Muscala, friend of the pod, Moose. beloved friend of the pod, um, the Thunder declined his team option yesterday, uh, making Moose an unrestricted free agent. Uh, obviously, the feels are very strong uh, in, the, in the unit and the Top Thunder podcast. You know, like I said, we've had Moose on – I want to say three times now. He's been awesome every time. Like he, he he gives like an hour of his time every time just shooting the crap about basketball. Like he's he's one of the most down to earth people that like I've ever got to talk to. Not just basketball wise, just in general. So um, really appreciate Moose and would love to see us be able to bring him back. Um, you know, there's some people that are saying that you know it kind of feels like this is definite. I'm just gonna say not so fast, my friends, and leave it at that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it makes it makes sense. Like we've had, so there were a ton of players this year that declined their player options, um, and then re-signed with the same team for more. So, for instance, you know, a player like Bobby Portis, um, you know, he declined his option and he re-signed with Milwaukee for four forty-eight and four forty-nine, something like that. Um, so, I mean, it's you know, people do this all the time. Players do this all the time, and then teams do this all the time, where they, you know decline an option um and then you know later on that offseason they re-sign that player for you know whether it's higher or lower whatever um but they re-sign them um to a deal so i mean the the possibility of of moose still being loose in oklahoma city is is still out there so yeah and i think he was making 3.5 million if if they opted into the team option so I could honestly see them going with a vet minimum, you know, maybe given like an extra year or something like that, you know, given a little bit more, um, yeah. I guess, flexibility in terms of uh, length of the contract, but, you know, a little bit more cap friendly, you know, I mean, 2 million, whatever, but, you know, it's a vet minimum in, in terms of like the vocabulary of the, of the contract as my wife complains about the amount of money the NBA players make in the background. So it's always <laughs> Well, fun. that was like, that was like, I put out a, uh, I put out a tweet about, you know, the Thunder's roster crunch. And I said, uh, when it comes, when it comes to, to V Crutchy, 
Um, he has so his upcoming contract or his up, upcoming salary is 1.5 million, but if he gets cut at any time, he still takes home 781,000. And I, on the tweet, I put only 781,000 is guaranteed. And then Sarah, she was like, "You say that like it's only a seven hundred eighty-one thousand dollars. Like that would change anybody's life on here, yeah. other than an NBA player." Yeah, that is absolutely life-changing. Hey, speaking of Teo Maladome, you know it's been not reported anything. Uh, Keith Smith reported this morning that I don't know how the- I don't know how we were speaking of Teo Maladon. We haven't mentioned him at all. This. Oh yeah, no, you said he's crazy. I'm so stupid. <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> now no, we're continue, about Teo continue with Teo. Yeah. Um, Keith Smith tweeted this morning that um, if we didn't waive him by the end of the day, that his contract would become fully guaranteed for the 2022-2023 season. Um, there was no reports that we had waived him, but Spot Rack has apparently went in and changed Teo Maladon's contract the fully guaranteed to reflect the 2022-2023 season. Now, you know, I kind of feel the same way about him as I do about Roby, like same situation, um, you know, except for like, you know, Roby could be non-guaranteed if you cut him at a certain point. Um, but I feel like we're going to bring Teo into training camp, and I feel like, you know, he's going to have a chance to compete for a roster spot. But him – Ty Jerome, like there's there's a handful of guys that I consider like prime cut candidates, and like Tao oh, yeah. is like towards the top of the list. And you know that's not to say that you know he isn't going to find a home in the NBA, but I just I don't think he fits what this team is trying to do in mm-hmm. you know building a team full of a guys that can handle the ball and Tao can handle the ball just fine, but like finding guys with size that can handle the ball and create for themselves as well as their teammates. So I don't think Teo is long for the rebuild, but I do think it is important to have him go into the training camp because I think Usman Jang said during the draft or uh, during the post-draft press or one or the other, he mentioned that he knew Teo, um, that he was acquainted with Teo. So, you know, might be nice to have him to just – kind of ease the transition of Uzman Up the Brook along. Yeah, especially after, you know, the language barrier that he already faced in the NBL. And, you know, we saw how you know hard it was for him to get adjusted, you know, going into that. So maybe for that reason alone. But it also is important to note, Tao's not the only person that speaks French on the roster. Exactly. I think Lee Dort speaks French. Um, we got more French guys yeah. on this team than than probably the French national team had on their team. <laughs> like we have guys like you know if it's not if it's not going to be Teo, you know maybe end of the season type thing or ten day contract time, you know we bring back Jalen Horde, uh, Olivier Saar, you know all those guys are you know are are, are Frenchmen, and then you have uh, Lou Dort who he isn't necessarily a Frenchman but grew up in Montreal speaks French. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's plenty of guys that speak French here. Well, speaking of Lou Dort, which we were speaking about him, <laughs> um, it's been a roller coaster with Lou Dort these past few days. So, coming out yeah. of the, the post draft presser, uh, Presty said that, yeah, we're probably going to pick that up unless something changes in terms of Dort's team option. Um, going into yesterday, it was announced that. 
They are declining Dort's team option in hopes of working out a deal in free agency. And today... So, so let me explain that real quick. Let me, let, let me explain that. So at the initial press conference, you know, where Presti introduced the rookies, you know, he did say that they were picking up his option. And so basically what that meant is that he would play this season on his final, you know, option year of $1.9 million. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of this season, he would become an unrestricted free agent. Um, and in the press conference, he said, yes, we're going to pick up his option unless something changes. <laughs> um, and so then fast forward to today, um, you know, there was a tweet sent out. Who, who was it? Was it Keith Smith? Something uh, like that. There, it might have been. It, it might have been. Yesterday, Woj, I think I it was, yeah, Woj or Shams that said that they were declining his team option. And I yeah, think it was so Shams. So they were declining his team, his team option, which then triggered his restricted free agency to where he mm-hmm. could go basically shop himself to any team. And if another team signed him, you know, they had the opportunity to, you know, the Thunder had the opportunity to go ahead and match it within three days. Basically, it's like this. At, at some point last season, I, I believe it was after March, the Thunder could have re-signed Lou Dort to an extension. Uh, but that extension was only for, I believe it was $13 million per season. So I think it was four fifty-two. Um, by not doing that and by allowing him to go into restricted free agency, they were basically allowed to sign him for a much bigger amount. Uh, and so that's where we're at today. So go ahead and continue. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, today, like, you know, as you so beautifully put it, like, you know, the tweet came out. We was waiting for – I mean, it was just an influx of tweets. Like, there was a lot of movement around the league, a lot of contracts being doled out. But, yeah, out of nowhere, man, I think it was uh, Adrian Wojnarowski put it out there first and said that Oklahoma City Thunder has signed a deal with Lou Dort five years, $87.5 million. And, you know, we So, that of, was surprising. Yeah, like, I mean, not only, not, I mean, not only the dollar amount, but, like, the five years. Like, that's surprising. Right. That's a long-term commitment. Now, you know, we still don't know, like, if there's a player option, you know, uh, on the fifth year or anything like that. But, I mean, you know, Shea also signed for a five-year max, um, and that kicks in this next year. So, they'll be here for the same amount of time. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, they're they're, they're the Canadian brothers, like, they're best friends. Like, you know, like, Dort was holding Shea's hand whenever he was getting his COVID shot. Like, you know, you know, chuckle as you may, like there's a legitimate connection there. And if Dort was to be traded away, like, yeah, Shay would probably get over it, but like that could be significant. Like when, when Jeff Green got traded away, when James Harden got traded away, it was significant for Kevin Durant. Like he didn't say anything at the time, but you know, as these things keep building on and on, like, you know, that could be the difference in him staying or going. So I, I do think that, uh, you know, it's it's significant and it's important uh, for many different reasons, and also it's just uh, it, it's really cool to see. Um, you know, it's just really cool to see Dort rewarded. You know, this is a guy yes. that was a undrafted player um, that came in on a two way deal, immediately made an impact, and you know was able to you know do hard work and determination and continually improving. Was able to get broken off with like really a, like a ridiculous contract like 17 and a half million a year like you know you don't see that out of undrafted players yeah definitely man like it was it, it was it's well deserved 
And I think, you know, I think there might be some, maybe some back pay, <laughs> you know, for, for the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. He's been very good the last two seasons. And, man, I tell you, whenever they, they came out with that deal, you know, after they signed him, you know, after he was a two-way player, and it was like four years, $5.5 million, like that was a bargain grab. And we knew it was a bargain grab whenever mm-hmm. it happened, you know. And so he steadily improved. He steadily, you know, he, he, he basically lives the Thunder way. And, you know, he has been rewarded. And so, you know, the team always rewards those players that are loyal to them, you know, whether it is, um, whether it is giving them a 10-day contract for the G League lifers, you know, or giving a nice size contract to somebody who has earned his way like Lou Dort has. You know, Thunder are always rewarding those players that stick to them. Yeah. And it is going to be interesting to see how, uh, <clears throat> how he fits in with this roster as, you know, it starts to come into form. You know, bringing in guys like Chet, uh, Santa, Usman Jang, um, oh, alongside gosh. Shea, Giddy, and Co. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he slides more into a role of, you know, not so much on ball, not so many shots being taken, but a guy that gets his stuff from the corner, attacking closeouts, and really just focusing on the defensive end because, mm-hmm. you know, as good as Dort was on defense, like he kind of took a step back this year because he had to take more of an offensive burden. And, you know, that's not uncommon. Like, as as you have to take on more responsibility on one end, you know, the other end starts to suffer. Uh, look at Shea. Shea played really good defense throughout college and also, you know, his first year at the Clippers. And as he started to take on more of a burden and responsibility on offense, his defense started to suffer. So, you know, yeah. it's not to be, you know, unexpected, but, you know, it will be interesting to see how Dort can do, you know, in a more limited role on offense and, you know, if that could like truly maximize his potential. And another thing to kind of think about is I know, I know we wanted to go into the 23 off season with as clean of a cap sheet as possible. Um, and that's basically just saying, you know, SGA, Giddy, Trey man, the four rookies from this year. And that's basically it. Um, but the thing that we got to kind of look at is number one, if a player, if you think is a, a player is a um, foundational piece for your team, you know, you sign them. And so the thing that kind of goes with this is while the CBA gets renewed or changes or whatever in the 23 offseason, after the 24-25 offseason, the TV contract gets renewed. And from what I'm hearing the money in that TV contract is going to be just astronomical. And so that, you know, that jump in the salary cap that we saw in the 20, what, 2016 salary Mm -hmm. cap that allowed Golden State to go ahead and sign Kevin Durant just outright. um, There's going to be a similar, if not more of a, of a jump in the 25. Yeah. in the 25, and it's probably not going to be, they're they're probably not going to do that. They're probably going to go ahead and kind of, smooth it out which is what they should have done this last time uh, but they're probably gonna smooth it out but you know by the time this hits and the bigger money is on Shay's contract and the bigger money is on Lou's contract the Thunder will be in great position you know they're, they're going to be in good position so it's not going to be a situation where they're going to be you know butting against the luxury tax or even over the luxury tax for x amount of years like I think they're going to be under the luxury tax 
you know, until they have to like really get into like signing Shea to his second extension, signing, you know, signing Lou if, if he's if he pans out and continues to be the player that he is now to a second extension, signing, you know, Giddy and Chet to their first, you know, after rookie extension. That's when you start to kind of probably have to start paying the the tax. But the Thunder are gonna be good as far as financially. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and you know, as I pointed out in our our unit group chat. Uh, kind of tongue in cheek, but it is it's also true. Like that's a very tradable contract in the future. <laughs> it it is. It so, is. Yeah, you know, just 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 putting that out there. Um before we go, Alex, I, I, I wanted to ask you about this because you kind of <laughs> rolled your eyes when I said it. Um obviously in our post draft uh reaction podcast, you had to step off because you know you had to go mm-hmm. talk to Sam Presti. You know, had had to go big time us like that. So we understand that, but that was when the Sam. I just, nickname I, I, just was I just didn't want any. I just didn't want anybody to take my seat. That's all. I got- I, I understand. <laughs> I completely understand. But no, that was when the Santa nickname was born for Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, and uh, okay. just I just got to get your uh, I got to get your opinions on this nickname because you kind of rolled your eyes a little bit. Or are are you with me? Or are you against me? Because it, here's my thing. Like I know that they said, you know, I'm J Dub. That's Jay Will. Yes. Listen, J Dub and Jay Will. I don't know if you know this or not, but both of those names apply to both of your names. So, like, mm. you didn't clear anything up. Well, I mean, like, everybody has a nickname, you know, whether. So, if you crown yourself J Dub, that is your nickname. So, that's going to be Jalen Williams Santa Clara. That's going to be his nickname. And that's going to be his reference point as far as the name goes, J Dub. And then Jalen Williams from Arkansas, he was like, hey, call me Jay Will. That's going to be his nickname. I'm not about to call somebody Santa. You don't have to call it to his face. I'm, I'm not, not asking I'm not. you to be like, Santa, you I'll tell just you, I'll tell you, hey, media day, media day. I may break that out. I'm going to be like, hey, Santa, um, so and just ask a question from there. I need it, man. I just want to see his reaction. Because, like, here's the thing with nicknames, man. You can't give yourself your own nickname. Like, a nickname has to be dubbed to you for you know, no pun I intended. Mean, I mean, but that, that might be the nickname. That, that might be the nickname that they already have dubbed to them, like, in college, in high school. Like, you know, it's not like they said, hey, what do you want us to, you know, what, what is your, you know, make up a nickname for yourself. They were like, no, call me J-Dub, call him J-Will, because that's, that's the nicknames that they've gone by. Well, th- this is my thing, man. Like, it's just – just imagine Michael Cage saying oh, – <laughs> Say, partner, I got to tell you, Santa's deep <laughs> in his bag tonight. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, partner. Santa uh, climbed up the ladder and came down the chimney on that slam. You know what I'm going to say, partner? That was nasty. Man, I, I got him for days. I got him for days on the Santa. Like, I, I'm not going to let it die, man. Like, a- Andrew came at me on the OKC Dream Team. He's like, I know Thunder Chess is pushing you out there, but I just can't do it. Like, listen. I mean, hey. I'm not going to roll it, over, it, it, Hey, if it, if it gathers steam and if it goes, good for you. Good for you, you know. But, yeah, that's not going to happen. Like, I remember there, there was a name that uh, – uh, oh, that, you know, what's his name? Um Oh, who's that reporter that Westbrook was always fighting with um, for the Oklahoma? Yeah, Trammell, Barry Trammell. I know at the beginning of the Thunder, he wanted to keep on calling us the Boomers. 
and the boomers and the boomer and like it never stuck but he would put it in his writing the first couple of years the first couple of seasons he put him in there and it never stuck like bro it's not gonna stick so honestly think that the santa Jalen williams is not gonna stick dog but hey keep trying man hey, i'm just having fun with it man it's, <laughs> it's just fun at this point there are some people that are with it though i'm just saying we, i've got a contingency on twitter so hey we'll- there's some crazy people on twitter though so <laughs> If you're going to try something new, that'd be the place to do it. Hey, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, man. I mean, I, I think that about covers it. You got anything else you want to talk about before we uh, cut this thing out? I mean, so, I mean, just one big thing, just as far as, like, roster crunch. Like, you know, as, as we get more talent and, you know, we've gotten – we got four players last year. We got four players this year. You know, people need to kind of – get get ready for players that they have loved seeing over the past two to three seasons, you know, kind of starting to to become casualties of the crunch, um, as as I will call it. You know, and, and so guys like, you know, Darius Baisley, guys like even Poku, Pokushevsky, um, Ty Jerome, guys like that, they're they're gonna start to kind of get cut and crunched and and gone by the wayside because you know, there's not going to be any any minutes for them. If, you know, if we bring in Jalen Williams, Santa Clara, J-Dub, and he is, you know, X amount of times better than Teo Maladon, X amount of times better and more efficient than Ty Jerome, you know, those guys have got to go. You know, Trey Mann, he's a guy that he had some flashes last year, but we had we saw flashes from Teo his, his rookie season also, and then completely went off, you know, off the deep end uh, his second year. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of competition. There's going to be a lot. I would love I would love a hard knots type show for the, the Thunders training camp because that would be yeah. amazing. That would be amazing to see all those young guys competing for 15 spots. And there's only about eight or nine guys that know that they're secure in their spot. You know, so there's about six or seven spots that are up for grabs between you know 10 11 12 players and so it'll be awesome to see that play out in a you know in a docu-series like hard knocks yeah but the thing about hard knocks man if there was one nba program that wasn't gonna allow something like that it would it'd be 100 be the thunder <laughs> but yeah no, I'm with you, man. It, it'd be it'd be a lot of fun to watch and you know i I was I don't remember who I was talking to about this. I think it might have been sub actually. Um, but you know, with there being this roster crunch and with heads are gonna be rolling. I'm like, you know, people are gonna be really competing, like, you know, not just for their job, but like like head to head, like Teo mm-hmm. and Ty could be competing for a spot against each other, like yeah. Ro- Roby and Baisley and Poku, like they could legitimately be competing for a spot against each other. So like you know, training camp a lot of the times, like, you know, there's a level of intensity to it, but, like, at the same time, you're kind of going through the motions. You know, you're just trying to get, kind of get your feet back under you. Like, I can legitimately see, like, a heightened level of intensity to the entire training camp. And, like, you know, it start with those guys that are, like, real, like, literally fighting for their lives in terms of, like, NBA roster. And, you know, it could expand to the rest of the team. And I feel like, you know – that type of intensity 
like, uh, you know, setting the precedent early on in the season can really carry forward, you know, throughout the regular season. And, you know, at that point, you could legitimately see this team pushing for a playing spot if they stay healthy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I, I, I am I'm very curious to see how this season plays out if, you know, we start out, I don't know, what, 18 and 20? you know, something like that. If we start out close to 500, it's very, I'm very curious to see how Sam Presti handles that because, you know, if, you, if you're going to allow this team to, what, what does he say in the press conference? If you, I want to allow this team to not introduce themselves, but to. Uh, Explore uh, themselves? Yeah, to show themselves out, like to show, you know, what they're made out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they happen to start, you know, putting it all together and start winning and Chet, you know, that top 10 defense becomes a factor in us winning games, ugly games. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how it goes. Like maybe, you know, Presty just lets it go and, and says, go ahead and, you know, we'll, we'll settle for the number 13 pick in the 2023 draft and maybe use – our asset chest to go ahead and move up to like six or seven or something like that. But it'll be very interesting to see because, you know, the prize is Victor Wimayama, but the thing about that is we already have Chet. Yeah, we so have- it would be great. It, it would be great to see a Chet Victor front line, but in the end we have a 14% chance. If we have a bottom three record, if we don't get that, we already have Chet. We got Victor at home, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. All right, man. I'm I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw you for a loop here, and I'm gonna ask you to close this podcast on a hot take you have for the Thunder. A hot take. Um. Wow. Hot take. You put me on the spot there. I know, man. We haven't got to do hot takes in a while. We used to have a segment where we did it every week called cover me yeah um i don't i don't i'll I'll be honest with you and i don't have any hot takes because i don't think this team is in position to do anything hot takey you know i I, you know i I would love to say oh yeah kevin durant you know we have the assets we have the young players that you know that the nets would be asking for um but I, i don't see it and i don't think I don't think it fits in the timeline. Like if it would have been next season and the CBA would have already been ratified and, and mm. signed and all that, I, I think the Thunder may be in position to make a splash like that. But now I don't think so. Um, so as far as a hot take, I, I don't really have one. Um, uh, let's see. No, let, let I don't me, have one. I don't have one. Well, let me tell you if, uh, if freaking um, if the Nets are asking for Booker in return for Kevin Durant, yeah, they would have asked for SGA. <laughs> yeah, like, and and that's not happening. Like, Shea's not on the table for me in terms of getting Kevin Durant because, like, that's the type of guy that you want to pair Kevin Durant with. You don't want to put Kevin Durant on a team full of teenagers. Like, that's it's yeah. not that's not going to do anything for you. So, and here's the crazy part about that. Here's the crazy part about that. Is this team how it's constructed now? Is the team that Kevin Durant wanted back in the day? Yeah. Like the team how it's constructed now is the team that Kevin Durant wanted back in the day. And so I don't think it's far fetched 
to think that at least the conversation is happening at Thunder HQ. I don't think it's far-fetched because, you know, like we said with, with Derek Murray, if there's one thing that this team needs to actually just completely catapult itself into, you know, that stratosphere of, of good teams to great teams, it's an alpha score. I believe we may have that in SGA, but if you get a Kevin Durant, you definitely have that. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's something to think about. It's something to think about as far as, you know, would you welcome Kevin Durant back to this team? Because this is the team that he always wanted. This is the team that probably works best with somebody like that. Yeah, well, I already told you uh, my hot take in the group chat the other day, and I'm going to go and put it out there. Um, I think that our first three picks this year, Chet Holm, Grindus, Mojang, and Jalen Williams, Santa Clara, so fondly referred to him as Santa, is this year's iteration of Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, and Moses Moody. And that's my hot take. Yep. I, I, I think the, you know, player comps between Chet and Mobley, you know, aren't aren't anything foreign. Like, I think Mike Smith has made the comp as well, like saying that, you know, in, in terms of uh, player closest to Chet would be Mobley. Um, Joe am Williams, I crazy? Am I crazy? Go ahead. As far as my player comp, as I watch more and more and more Chet, as I watch more videos of Chet, am I crazy in thinking that Chet could be a new age, taller Larry Bird? <sighs> like just his shot, like him coming down the floor and hitting those top of the key threes, him, those transition threes, him spotting up him operating out of the post, you know, like Larry Bird was great at that. That's one of the things that made Larry great was number one, he was a playmaking threat. He was, you know, he was a shooting slash scoring threat. You know, he could rebound the ball. I just, I, I, I see, I see Chet and I see what he can do. And I don't think he's going to be relegated to just the inside, to just the paint. Um, I just, I don't know. I see him as, as maybe a modern day Larry Bird. And it could just be the white on white. It could just be that, you know. But, you know, <laughs> you look at Chet and it's like, mm, Dirk Nowitzki, Larry Bird. That's about it, you know. It's, but yeah. I just – I see Larry Bird in him. I don't know if that's crazy. I don't know if just watching him shoot three sometimes it's just like, ooh, that looks very Larry Bird-like. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'd be down. I'd be down if he was – I. I just – I don't feel like his role is going to be – at least early on, I don't think his role is going to be enough to be Larry Bird on offense. I, you know, I could be wrong. But yeah, there it is. Absolutely. Definitely. But, you know, who knows. But, yeah, I mean, uh, Jalen Williams, Moses Moody, like, I, you know, both are long-armed guys that can really just shoot the crap out of the ball. Jalen Williams here. might even be, like, a better prospect than Moses Moody because of what he's able to do on ball in terms of – you know, creation, um, yeah. self-creation and, you know, creation for his teammates. And then it was one of James Scotty Barnes. Like, you know, I know – I mean, you even pointed out, like, I think so. you think that uh, Sohan's closer to Scotty Barnes. But, like – and I, and I grant you, like, the defense, like the physicality on defense, like, 100%. Um, but I think the thing that sets Scotty Barnes apart from Sohan specifically is his playmaking. I know Sohan's got a little bit of playmaking, but, like, mm -hmm. in terms of, like – 
legitimate on the ball creation, like high level passing reads, like and like degree of difficulty passing, like you just don't see Sohan making. And as we talked about with Murray and Uzma Jang, like those are passes that he routinely makes. Like those are passes that yeah. he was making even when he was struggling throughout the year in terms of scoring the basketball, like he was still making those high level passing reads. And like I just really buy into this defense, man. Like he's a guy that knows where he needs to be. He competes at a high level, flips his hips well, he's got quick feet. And you know, he's slender right now. I grant you that he shies away from contact on both ends a little bit, but he's got some really broad shoulders. And I think that he could really fill into that frame um, and, you know, be a player similar to Scotty Barnes. So that's, uh, that's where that hot take comes from. And, uh, you know, I, I feel pretty good about it. I'm sticking to it. Well, that's good. So what about, um, so, you know, you gave comps to our lottery picks. What about Jalen Williams, J. Will? What, I mean, do you, do you have a comp for him? I also do, but he just reminds me so much of JRE. I can't get it out of my head. Like, just, yeah. a, just a guy that, like, you know, can is going to defend at a high level. Like, he doesn't make mistakes. Like, he's a teammate guy. Um, strong, physical, you know, about the same height. Um, and then on offense is a guy that can shoot the ball a little bit, is a great passer for his size, and, you know, is is the guy that can, you know, rebound the heck out of the ball and finish inside. So, yeah, I mean, there's just – there's so many similarities to JRE. Like, it, it almost makes you wonder if the Thunder liked what they saw in JRE and – if they would, if Jalen Williams is in position to take JRE's spot this year, or Baisley's, yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting, man. Like there's there's so many players in so many different positions, and uh, it's gonna be fun to watch. Yeah, it is. It is. It's gonna be fun. So you know, we got summer league coming up. I'm I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready to watch. And I think Summer League is going to kind of uh, – like, I think once Summer League is over with, I think you will see some players cut. Yeah. Definitely possible. I definitely do think that. Yeah. Also worth noting, uh, tomorrow Shea plays with Team Canada um, against yes. the Dominican Republic. <laughs> Dominican Republic. Republic. Yes, Republic. I almost said Dominican Republican. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's late guys um at uh 7 30 p.m est um i guess that would be 6 30 p.m cst for you oklahomans there yeah. and uh i gotta say like i'm very excited to see shea play basketball i heard dort's practicing i doubt he plays but i'm not excited about shea spending the summer with nick nurse i'm just i'm just not i'm not excited about that <laughs> regardless we have him for five years yeah. Yep. Just, so, just stay out of his ear. Let's, let's not start that. Let's so so a couple of things. So number one, let's not start that. <laughs> and number two, I would I would urge people to not start watching Victor Wimbayama film right now. Like that kid is gonna be good. Yeah. Like the stuff that that kid does on the basketball court is hasn't been seen in a human that large and that mobile 
And so I would urge you to at least give yourself a month break. In August, yes, in August, you can go ahead and start watching when the Yama film, but because that that one that was posted today that showed like some of his defensive chops and Mm -hmm. there was a pass where he just like, the ball went up and he just tipped it to a, a teammate that was uh, that was under the rim. Like it was just like the kid has instincts also, and that's you can't teach that. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, it was like 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Gavoni's just gonna randomly put out Victor Wembanyama highlights. Like, bro, it's too early in the morning to be <laughs> acting up like that. So, yeah, just 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 chill for a little bit. You know, like like yeah. we said with Murray, it's gonna be a great good draft class. Like we also said, but like, it's gonna be a great year, man. It's gonna be a fun year. If like guys are gonna be competing, I think that will be competitive. You know, whether we're in the play-in, playoffs, lottery, bottom of the league, whatever. Like these guys are gonna compete, and I'm excited to see what they can do. Uh, especially yeah. you know the existing guys in the full off season. So it's gonna be fun times, man. A lot of fun times, and you know basketball's coming. Like you know. Like I said, Team Canada this weekend. Summer League starts next week. It's going to be a good time. Um, I do want to say we are going to be starting our Family Feud series back up this summer. Uh, so we're sticking with two podcasts a week, but one of those podcasts we're going to try to bring in a group of people to do a Family Feud episode. Uh, this week we're going to have the guys from OK3 at Shea Media, OKC Skittles, and at – Alex, Dr. Prof. So our guys, Alex, Skit, and Matt. Um, and we're going to have them on Family Feud. And it's going to be an international theme Family Feud. And Alex, I think it's going to be you and Maddie Moles, possibly a Matt yeah. Tierney, possibly a Cone um, on there. So, yeah. But, yeah, definitely check that out. It's going to be a lot of fun. So with that being said, thank you guys for listening. Alex, thank you for sticking with me. Hope you all have a great night. God bless, and don't forget. Thunder up! Thunder up! Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter, at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.